Thanks for coming, man. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm excited to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, you're looking good. Thanks. You too. Yeah. Thank you. You look like you've uh, been hitting the gym, but I thought you had a young family and uh, that would be going by the wayside, but I guess not. Um, I, generally, I do a pretty uh, good job in staying shape, but uh, I haven't worked on, at least my, I haven't worked on my upper body in like uh, four weeks or so because I hurt my my shoulder and my forearm. Uh, how? Yeah. Um, I, I, I heard this show quite some time back, but, uh, I think I aggravated it, um, doing like some kettlebells and then just playing basketball. Yeah. So I think it's like partially torn or something like that. Uh, it's gotta, it's gotta like just rest for now. Yeah. I do know a good shoulder guy if you need a referral. Yeah. I heard mine too a year ago, uh, kite surfing and it's like taken a year to heal. It honestly took, takes 10 times longer than I hoped. I've been there. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Um, but anyway, so glad to have you here. You are, uh, your legend in this office actually. Why? Because of many, many years ago when we were contemplating, uh, working together, um, on your downtown tower and we kind of got close, kind of got, you know, quite a ways down the garden path and it was down to us and, and one other competitor, one other company. And, um, at the end of the day, you apologized and said you were going the other direction that, um, that you liked me personally and, you know, good feelings about me and my young team and, and all that. But, um, looking at it on, on paper, it was the higher risk decision that the other, the other option was uh, much safer. You know, it was the, it was the more on paper, the more obvious sort of fit and that I came off to your team great, but a bit like a mad scientist cowboy. Mm. I don't know if you remember that, but those words have echoed around this office for a long time mm-hmm. and, uh, helped, uh, helped me and the team sort of, um, you know, temper the, the innovation and the perception of sort of me and of us in, in that market. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for giving me the straight goods. It's, well, um, how big is your team now? Uh, we're 50. Very good. Yeah. Come a long way. So we're not as mad. Uh, we're just as scientific <laughs> and we're less cowboyish. <laughs> So how is it? You got a new baby. How How is the little one? Is it a boy or a girl? Uh, second one's a girl. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got two young kids. Uh, one's about 22 months, 20, going to 23 months. And uh, the other one's just like six, seven weeks old. Yeah. Yeah. And how is the mom? She's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it was tough because um, the second one, um, she, she, uh, my wife had a low lying placenta. And so what that means, uh, what happened actually a couple of, she went for a checkup close to her due date and then it, um, the doctor like moved the baby a bit and she started bleeding. And so that's when they realized like, um, yeah, you probably need to bring the delivery date forward and we're going to have to do cesarean. And um, from that point onwards, basically she was like um, supposed to rest and not do like do anything. So from that time until I, uh, until, uh, until one month after uh, because after the delivery date, you got to like um, rest for a month as well because it's a major operation. So about almost two two months, I was playing like full-time dad, you know, and working at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I almost lost my mind. Okay. Towards the end, I almost lost my mind because I, I, I literally did not like sleep even like six hours straight, um, you know, for like two months. And like these eye bags are still there <laughs> from the from that time. And yeah, it was, it was very tiring. I mean, I don't regret it, um, but I'm glad to be back on my normal schedule again, where I can actually 
get like eight hours of sleep. It's great. Yeah. Sleep is awesome. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And a full day's work and a workout and, and have some balance. Absolutely. And your wife, what's her name? Sandy. She's back on her feet and yeah, she is. Yeah, awesome. She's, she's doing good. Yeah. Good to hear. My little girl is so sim like so easy like, oh, so nice. far. Like uh, girls, I mean, of course, it's only my own experience. Not, I'm not generalizing, but I sort of am. <laughs> you know, uh, girls are so easy. Like you know, like my baby girl that hardly cries, and she does is really like soft and like sounds so feminine and sweet. And um, yeah, it's she. She sleeps through everything. She's always calm. You know, she's so pleasant. And I, when I think back, come back to my son, it's funny how. Um, I think like a baby's personality and characteristics are just innate. You know what I mean? Like, and I think back how my son was when he first was born and how he is now. It's like, yeah, he's the same. He's exactly the same, but just a little bit more. What's the word? Just more. Just more of it. Yeah, it's more <laughs> pronounced now, you know? Uh, and as so I think in some ways, I think my, uh, my baby girl is going to be like that as well. She's going to be very calm and, you know, very, you know, collected and you know, easy to manage. Well, hopefully it is. Mm. Yeah. That's been my experience too. Our kids are seven and 11. And, uh, I thought a lot about that, that nurture versus nature kind mm. of debate. And I, I honestly leaned, you know, way onto the nurture side, you know, cause I'm a, um, like a cerebral type of person. And I think a lot about things and how to, yeah. you know, who I want to be and how to be and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it would be, I thought it'd be carving this child and this personality out of, uh, out of wood and just creating the, the person I thought was, the, you know, the best person in the world. Mm. And, uh, and I love my kids and, but they are who they are. And even more so because uh, we adopted our kids. So, mm. you know, I think it's the, maybe call it my ignorance as a early adoptive parent that, you know, I think I can, have that much influence on the, on the nurture side of things. And then, uh, the nature side just comes sort of like rolling through and it's, I'm probably 50, 50 now I'm still hanging on to the, to the nurture, but it's 50% nature, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's such an interesting topic. I, 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 you know, in some ways I love it because I mean, I think, you know, kids when they're young, it's just me just talking right now, but like, I think kids, um, when they're born, all I see at least is just good in them. Like absolutely they have like, no one has taught them anything bad. You know what I mean? They're so pure and all they have is like good characteristics. You know? Love. Yeah. And, and and it's like almost like if they, from that point when you raise them, if they do um, pick up any bad habits or develop bad characteristics or values, it's almost as like it's your fault as the parent. You know, it's... So you kind of, it's just very obvious when, when you're born, they're like born with a fresh start and they're mm -hmm. totally pure. Mm -hmm. And it's just so wonderful to watch them develop. Like, yeah, my son is naturally so like um sweet and he's so caring and he likes to share, likes to help up. You know, like nobody taught him how to do these things. Like naturally he likes to share his food and he likes to feed other people. And uh, when I come home, you know, it doesn't matter how heavy my back is. He, he wants to help me carry it. He's, Boy's not even aim. He started like that when he wasn't even like as soon as he was like one years old. He was wow. like he wanted to carry my bag, and if he can't carry it, he'll just drag it. But he or he'll help me. He just wants to have one hand hold it while I hold it as well. Oh, I feel geez. like he's helping me, and nobody taught him how to to do that. You know, I mean, he just naturally wanted to do this even from such a young age. You know, he understood like you know, go get I'll like go get my clothes. You know, he'll go get my clothes. You know, he'll bring my slippers to me. 
and like it's just amazing right oh it's awesome and yeah. it, it lasts a while that 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 innocence and that good nature my 11 year old boy is still just a teddy bear and i at, at 11 I'm really starting to like, there's no social media, none of the real world yet. Um, but I start to worry about, you know, the world, you know, crushing his spirit or teaching him those hard lessons. That we oh yeah. I'm so worried already because, um, my son had a bad experience in, in a uh, swimming class. It's, I mean, I say that because I'm a father, so I'm biased, but I, I think my son is like so good looking and so charismatic. <laughs> like he's like the cutest baby in the world. I'll show you a picture. You don't believe? <laughs> oh, wow. Prove it. Have you seen my son? Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Like uh, he's such a sweetheart. <laughs> he's tall too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. yeah. Yeah. My son is a giant. He came out at nine pounds, 10 ounces. Oh, he's That's a bruiser. Like, yeah. Biggest Asian baby. <laughs> he's uh, he's like, like, if anyone's got a bigger, bigger Asian baby, let me know because <laughs> I doubt it. Right. So what was I thinking? Um, a good natured a swimming accident. Or yeah. You know, he, he, he's bald in that sense because he's so cute and good looking everywhere he goes, he gets so much attention and all the ladies, like all the ladies, obviously, you know, like, oh, he's so adorable and everyone's just so nice to him. But we, we signed up for swimming lessons and this was like quite some while, a while back. <laughs> for some reason, he's very friendly and he likes to wave and gets people's attention. Well, there was this girl at the swimming class with a parent. This girl rejected him. Like, <laughs> I just turned away. I didn't want to acknowledge him. I didn't want to wave a back little, to him. little kid or? Little, little baby girl. Yeah. And, um... I think that just crushed him. That's the first time he got rejected. No. Yeah, it's funny. He's sensitive. <laughs> yeah, he's very sensitive soul. And um, and ever since then, yeah, he would not go back. Even if the girl's not there. He oh, does swimming. I hate he, swimming now. Yeah he, yeah, he doesn't want to go swim now because of that. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to try again <laughs> next time, but maybe in a different venue. I don't know, but... Yeah, he's a very sensitive soul. And, 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 oh, what a sweetheart! And that's the thing. And every every I, you know, when I when I was younger, so I was kind of like what you said. Oh, not younger, but like when I was growing up, I always think like, yeah, I'm gonna raise my kid a certain way. I'm gonna be harsh and be strict. I'm gonna be tough and blah 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 blah. And then as soon as my son came out, completely like just, all, all the rules just go out the door <laughs> because I just realized that every kid is different. Every situation is different and you just got to try to make the best decisions at the point of time. You got to just be wise, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I realized that my son is very sensitive, you know, and uh, it's good and bad. I can tell he's has such a it's like sweetheart, you know, yeah. and because of that, he's easily like hurt by other people. And like for me, so I can tell, like, I don't really have to discipline him, you know, like, because when I, one, one time, you know, I just said, like, I tried to discipline. I was like, no, right. You know, Bryce, don't do it. Bryce, you don't do that, right? And then just like his eyes and just like can see his heart just like totally shattered. I was like, oh dear, I shouldn't have done that, right? And so so now I don't, I just, I don't, I don't like raise my voice ever with yeah. him. I mean, even like what I just, like how I said it, that was considered raising my voice to him. Right? I, I don't ever even talk to him like that. It can't because he just, he can't take it. So I, I go about it in a different way. I got to do, I go about it in love. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And yeah, for me, love never fails with this, this guy. Yeah. Even though now he's about two, he, you know, when you're at two, he's, he, he does like what you call, um, throws a tantrum every now and then, right? But like, yeah, so, yeah. I, throws a tantrum. Yeah. 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 But you know, I, I just like discipline or correct him with love. Right. It never fails. Yeah. Yeah. It resonates with me too. Or like of all of the books that you, that we read, you know, trying to figure stuff out for the first one. Yeah. 
the one that resonated uh, with Lisa and uh, myself the most was sort of in this connected parenting kind of theory where you can't discipline, you can't teach, you can't really correct, you can't do anything until you first connect with the kid, which I think is related to what you're saying. Absolutely. I think trust is everything. And I'm trying to think, put myself in my my son's shoes, you know, like sometimes I, he, like, how do I ask the kid, how do I get my son to listen to me? Yeah. And and I just think, first of all, he has to trust me. Yeah. He has to trust me. And what I mean by trust is like, I just put myself in this situation. Like when I tell him to do something or don't do something, first of all, there's no way he's going to understand why I'm saying no or don't do it or you got to limit yourself or we got to go do something. He he won't understand what danger is, right? And so, you know, he's going to think in his mind, like why are you taking something nice away from me or something that I like? Why is the world so cruel? And, 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 and you know, at times um, we've learned from this, like, you know, we don't like snatch anything away from him mm-hmm. and like we never do anything like, uh, impulsively or quickly what we always do is like we tell him hey Brycey this is your last video because we got to go do and so and so I give him warning you know what I mean like not yeah. warning like pre like this way that he can understand like it's not abrupt you know because yeah. I think it's unfair like nobody likes all of a sudden like something just taken away from you yeah. right it's just like what the heck's going on right and so and and so what I mean my trust is like whenever um we discipline him I always explain to him I always, exp- I always like do it in love I always hug him and kiss him and, and tell him, this is why we're doing this, but, you know, daddy loves you, all right? And always, after a while, he gets it, you know, and then when he calms down, and that, and then because of that, he's very obedient, you know, and he trusts me. It's like sometimes, I, you know, even like for, for for now, like certain things he's allergic to, but I'm not, but I, I eat it and I don't allow him to eat it, right? And at first that would like get him so upset, but now he he realizes, you know, like he trusts, not say he realizes, he doesn't understand what he's allergic to, but he trusts me. Like he looks at me and I say, you can't have this, all right? Then he understands, he you trusts know, me. You're eating it. Even though I'm eating it, you know, you imagine that's <laughs> tough, right? Yeah. Like for example, my wife drinks coffee all the time, but we're not going to give him coffee, right? Caffeine would drive a baby crazy, right? But you know, he's obedient and he understands that that's for mommy and that's not for him because we've, you know, he, over time we have built that trust with him. So he trusts us even though he doesn't understand, you know what I mean? And I think that's so key, right? Then you know that your whatever you your parents always love you and always have your best. So like, even though they don't agree with you or they don't understand, they just trust you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trust is, I think, I think that's the the foundation, right? And that's going to be tested when it goes older. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, they're going to be like so many things that they're going to want to do. And, and they're going to say like, so-and-so's parents, uh, you know, lets him do it. Right. And why can't I do it? Every other kid is doing it. And at the end of the day, you know, you're going to have to have that trust, that relationship with your, with your kid and say like, you know, you know, mom and dad love you so much and you have to trust us, you know? And I mean, obviously you can't be too strict, <laughs> you know, going well, you got to be fair to your kid as well going up. But I'm just thinking, thinking in forward. I think that's, that's a good foundation really. I do too. I think forward too. And I talk with Lisa about it. I work really hard. Sometimes it's test testing. Sometimes it's frustrating. But the way I look at it is I'm, I'm working hard years after years to build it up because there may be a time it's like trust is earned in drops, right? So I want to build that up so that one day I, I there can be an ask there. I'm going to ask him to do something. It might be related to drugs when he's older yes, or yes. something really serious. Absolutely. And And when that time comes, when that really important thing happens that I I really need him to trust me and it's yeah. too late to start then. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um 
I mean, it's not like I'm a good parent. Uh, I'm not a good parent. I'm like, I mean, I'm just new at this. Okay. I'm just starting out. I'm trying to figure it out. But I'm thinking, you know, you can't wait till your kid's old and then say, no, you can't do this. You know what I mean? You can't smoke weed. And like, <laughs> he's like, he's not going to listen to you. Yeah. Right. You can't go and drink and go party. Like he's not going to listen to you. Right? You got to build that, that relationship and trust mm-hmm. from young. Right? The other benefit I'm seeing already at, at, with Max at 11 is that, um, you know, when there is issues, when there are conflicts or discipline or consequences or whatever, um, and he's really upset, you know, he's, he's ADD. So he, he kind of redlines pretty fast. He's very emotional, very sensitive kid as well. Mm. And, um, and sometimes, you know, he, he gets hot over an issue and it can, it's just a little kid thing, you know, it's that he wants to, you know, wear his winter coat in the summer to school or whatever it is. It's just sometimes uh, nonsense from a parent's point of view, but to a little kid, it's just what they want in the moment. Um, and he can, as, as angry as he can get in the moment, um, 10 minutes later in the car on the way to sort of drop him off at his bus stop, he's right back. He's right back. He re- rebounds so fast. My son's like that too. Yeah. And that's, that's a good thing, right? I mean, I, I usually it's like that, right? I, I feel like the, the people that get hot fast or, you know, get worked out fast, they tend to relax fast and tend to like, not like um, hang on to it versus like the opposite. The ones that uh, don't get angry fast, but when they do, they're going to remember and they're not going to let it go. Right. So you got to learn how to differentiate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's different than how I was raised. Oh, uh, night and day. Pretty different. Night and day. (laughs) Night and day. It's, I mean, I mean, every generation is different. Every child is different. Right. But Mm -hmm. um, I think my parents, I mean, obviously my, my, my parents' generation, they didn't have that privilege, you know, to have so much time with the children and their parents, yeah, even more, right? So obviously, um, you know, it's tougher to be closer to the kids in that sense. You know, we are, I mean, I'm a lot more blessed in that sense that I don't have to be working like literally 24 hours or working 18 hours every day, yeah. um, you know? So, and I get to choose like, you know, like for me, yeah, 6.30, I'm home every night for dinner. And yeah. it has to be like that, you know? Um, that's like a family rule, unless I got something yeah. important to yeah. go. Um, but like, yeah, you know, we're very blessed. And I, you know, I, I think my generation, at least, you know, we make that decision that how um, balance is important, family life is important, um, you know, because, we're privileged, you know, we don't have to work so hard to, you know, um, you know, we can have, we understand that richness or is, is, or, or wealth is, um, not just material stuff, right. It's having, you know, close to your family, having, you know, um, yeah, having luxury of time to spend with them because obviously they, time passes very fast and they, you know, they grow up really quick. Totally. I do want to say this because I've been saying this to everyone. Um, everyone should get 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 kids. It's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. I don't care what people say, man. Like you need to experience it. It is the best life changing thing for me that ever happened to me. me it, it really makes you a man. Like I was like a child <laughs> until I had a baby. Seriously. I mean, I getting married. Yeah, mar- married. Getting married is is cool. Don't get me wrong, but having a child is life changing. Like, oh my gosh. Like seriously, your world just throwing upside down I tell you and like you go from first to last you really do yeah like I mean and it's a good thing like you know what I mean like before you get married you just think about yourself all you care about yourself you're so selfish so yeah. fulfilling your own needs and then when, once you have a child and it's like wow like you you just become the servant and you realize that you know 
it, it's so cliche. You really finally, you know, experience like loving someone more than you love yourself. 100%. And it's such a crazy feeling. Yeah. And it's just an awesome feeling. And, you know, it just empowers you to do anything, like uh, whatever it takes to make sure that, you know, like your child, you know, succeeds in life. You know, you do whatever it takes, no matter how tired you are. You just somehow, you just get superhuman strength. Because you just think about him yeah. and he's like, okay, time to get up again, time to go. You know what I mean? You yeah. don't have a choice, right? And it really makes you mature. It's awesome, really. Everyone should should have children, really. It's life-changing. Uh, I agree. I'm a- yeah. And the joy, I tell you, it's, it's, it's irreplaceable. It's like so fulfilling. Super tiring, but so fulfilling, yeah. Sometimes I say in parenting, the days are long and the years are short. Yeah, you told me that. It's very true. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Yeah, it's, uh, but I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. That feeling like you're talking about of you would throw yourself in front of a moving car to save your kid in a, in a nanosecond. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a new feeling. It's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. And if it was your wife? <laughs> you know what? Um, I'll, I, I wouldn't say no. Depending I wouldn't say, day. I don't know. No, but you know, I, I'm just going to be honest. I've told her that as well. And I'm, you know, I'm, I might get in trouble saying this up in, uh, in public, but like, when you ask most people about their wife, they'll be like, hmm, let me think about it for a second, you know? Let me think about it first. Okay, you know, answer's probably still yes, but they'll think about it, right? You know, but like for... for nanosecond though. Yeah, but for but for your for the, for the your child, it's like, you don't even think about it. You jump right in front, yeah. like, without any hesitation, yeah. right? It's just so crazy. And and it's crazy because I always tell my son, like, wow, you know, like... Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. You ever realize how much we love you? I don't think you'll realize. You know, uh-huh. like it's crazy, right? Like how much we love our kids. They don't know until they have their own. They won't know. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Now, your parents work twenty four hours a day in Malaysia, building up mm-hmm. an empire. Mm-hmm. Are you emotional about your kid right now? No, I'm not. What do you mean? I mean, I'm, I'm always, I'm, you know, when you talk about my kids, I, my face always lights up. Yeah. You know, I'm always have, I'll have a lot of energy because I love, I love my kids. Right. So, um, and your parents loved you, but differently, right? Yeah. Very different. Um, like growing up with, I mean, like I said, they came from a different generation, right? Um, they didn't have the privilege. Um, so they work really hard and, you know, to, to ensure that, um, like the kids could have, I guess a platform, and like get the best in life, right? Um, yeah, but they, you know, they grew up in in, in a much harsher environment. They so. started with nothing, right? Absolutely, they came from zero, and so um, isn't it natural that their their value alignment that the, that where they saw value was in was in creating for the kids what they didn't have, which was financial security and opportunity absolutely. and education and just everything. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean. My dad was always, always like saying like how, you know, when you, when you, when you're poor and you, you don't have anything, you know, everybody just treats you like dirt. You know what I mean? Like you're nobody and nobody cares about you. And, uh, he hated that feeling. And so he wanted to make sure that, you know, he never had that feeling again and he doesn't want his children to have that feeling as well. So that's why he works so hard for us, right? At the expense of, uh, uh, yeah, everything. And because of that, you know, like we didn't have the same type of closeness that I'm going to have with my, 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 my children. And that's his sacrifice. And I thank him for that. You know, yeah. I, you know, it's like, I don't blame him for that. Of course, when I was young, I was like, 
upset about it. I guess, you know, like you, you know, like my dad doesn't care. I would say like, you know, my dad didn't spend time. He didn't care about me, this and that. Um, but like, you know, I, looking back, I mean, like at the same time, you know, I, I recognize what he's done for us and, and he came from a different era where it's just tough to show like love to your children. There isn't time for that. Right. You just got to bring food on the table. You got to survive. Yeah. Right. So, um, and now it's funny because when my father sees me with my son, he's happy and sad at the same time, I can tell. And he's he's happy for me, obviously, because you can see how I'm so close to my son. My son is so close to me. But he's sad because he didn't have that experience. You know what I mean? And so now he's trying to get that experience with his grandkids, right? Um, and he's trying to make up for time, you know? But it's like, it takes... I mean, it's our relationship is much, much better, much, much better now, but it's... You know what I'm trying to say? It's not the same when, you know, when you have that closeness with your child from, from the day he's born, totally. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of bond, it's different, right? Yeah, I totally get it. I'm, I'm that way with, with my boy, my kids, you know, I put them to bed every single night, uh, just incredibly close. We even shower together every morning. It may sound weird, but it's a big shower. We can we sit, yeah, there's yeah, places yeah. for each of us to sit and stuff. Yeah. Like it's a room yeah. where we chat and stuff and, and yeah. connect every morning and, uh, um, I don't know when that's going to change. It doesn't feel like it, but I'm sure, you know, like I say, the years are short and one day soon, um, you know, he's not going to tell me he loves me when he jumps out of the car and he's yeah. want to shower in his own bathroom and that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I always tell my mom, uh, my mom, sorry, my, my wife that whenever, <laughs> whenever, he's, whenever she's upset with, with my son, I was like, you better relish this. Okay. One day he's not going to want to come in like bug you anymore or, or, or you know you're not gonna have this anymore and then you're gonna miss it right yeah i totally know that i've got a poem on the wall of my home office because that's where i'm working when i shouldn't be or where my kids are and it, it speaks to that i don't have it memorized but i'll uh, i'll send it to you because you're gonna love it I and mean, it's about exactly that i just don't want to forget but uh, nick will remind me tell me about your uh, the business that your parents built up in malaysia where did they, what, they started from nothing and, and mm -hmm. what, what did they do next? How'd they do it? Well, the, the, the business, the first business that they started really was uh, retail stockbroking. Um, at that point of time, uh, like late 80s, early 90s, um, Southeast Asia was, uh, the markets just, stock markets just opened and they were one of the first um, retail stockbroker firms that came out in Malaysia. And uh they worked really hard, um, and at one point they became the biggest in Malaysia um, for that business. So, uh, I guess the money that they made or the capital that they made, they started investing more so in uh, real estate as well as a, as a diversification. So, so the business that we have, we still have that retail start working business. Um, we have also expanded more to like a financial services. It's kind of like a like investment where they invest the company's money in like like um, everything, you know, stocks, you know, structured products, you know, derivatives, bonds, all that kind of stuff. And and also now they have the real estate division, which is the one I lead, um, which does you know property development. It's got uh, real estate in income holding. It has hotels, and that's the business that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. But they're hugely successful. I mean, I've heard that uh, your family was the second wealthiest in Malaysia. No, 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 Legend? no, 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 That's not true. Um, I have to correct that. Is that uh, that's, we were never, never that high on the list, but we were on the list. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Let's just put it like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the list. Yeah. So growing up in that environment, you know, with the, with the parents kind of more being a good example 
than the loving parent that you are now and, and sort of setting like work ethic and, and, uh, kind of expectations and stuff like that. Um, I'm reminded of a story you told me once about that. I want to, I can't remember now you told me this years ago and, uh, about, uh, jumping off something high. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think my dad looked bad, but, uh, you know, like, you know, my, like I said, my dad came from a very tough background. Yeah. Right. So he's very tough. Okay. So he's a metal a lot, uh, the last few years, you know, um, yeah. So he told me a story, uh, but like, um, he was saying how, you know, that father would, uh, ask the son to jump to him off the stairs and he would catch him. You know, the first time I asked him to jump again. And the second time he would catch him. And the third time he asked him to do it, he would just let him fall. And like, really <laughs> hurt himself. Yeah. I was like, and then son, I just wanted to teach you that you cannot trust anybody. hundred <laughs> percent. And I was like, wow, really? You know? And, <laughs> and he's telling you that like without, he's not doing it to you. Cause you're oh, heck no. Yeah, no, he's not that extreme. Yeah. He's not that extreme, but, but he, he admires t- that guy. Right. And the dad in that story. I, I, but let's put it this way. He told me that story from a very young age, from a very young age. I was not even 10. I don't think yeah. you know, it's, it's young. And, uh, uh, so you can just imagine how that messed with me growing up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So you don't trust anyone, including you, is what you're telling me. That yeah, in in, in way, don't get me wrong. I think to some extent, I, I get I get the 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 less the lesson that he's trying to tell me. I do, I don't hundred percent agree. You know, like I do understand what you're saying that you cannot trust anyone hundred percent, and that means you can't even trust yourself hundred percent. What I mean by that is like, you know. Don't put yourself in a situation where you know you can't trust yourself. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, let's not go any further, right? So that's yeah. what I mean about not trusting yourself. But, you know, when it comes to, like, trusting your parents, uh, I, I, right now, I for me, I know my, my kids can definitely trust me 100%. I absolutely, you know, will never betray them. And my, my best interest will always be um you know for them so i think that example is a little extreme but sometimes maybe in stories or lessons you got to be a little bit more extreme to get the message across i don't know right (laughs) well i guess whatever you got to do to get through yeah but what's it like growing up because i'm a self-made person most i grew up you know my dad was a lawyer and uh and my mom uh you know maintained the house but we we had a pool and stuff we had a really really nice upbringing Uh, but in my business career, you know, um, been on my own and, and, uh, I get the work ethic and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm curious and I love like what you've shared with me in the past about like the double-edged sword. I'm kind of obsessed with double-edged swords. There's one hanging right there. I was looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just. Is that new? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I don't don't recall it being new last time. Yeah. It is, um it's because I'm obsessed with the concept of the double-edged sword, the pros and the cons and the balance and the yin and yang and all that. And everything in life, everything in life, including, you know, growing up, you know, blackout rich inheriting this, this sort of this role in this business empire and and how great that can be. And maybe from the outside seems, uh, people might be envious of that. Yep. And it also comes with, um, price. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Everything in life there is like the double-edged sword is so true. Like, um, you know, there is no perfect life. You know, er, er, you know, everyone's um, like you said. Um, there's a pros and cons in every situation, and um, it really—I mean—depends on the person, right? Like um, sometimes, you know, it's like 
you don't really, you don't choose, you don't choose who you are. Like you're born this, you are I like, I'm born to a comfortable or, or what you call a well-to-do family. And, you know, that was not my choice. Right. You know, and that's going to come with some perks for sure. That's going to come with some, um, you seem grateful. Absolutely. Uh, uh, it's going to come with some, you know, some what you call disadvantages, right? But in the end of the day, you just get over yourself because um, I always think, you know, there are always people in worse situations as you, right? And um, just look on the bright side and always, you only got one life. Make the most of it. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, it's like, don't be upset over something you can't change. I can't change the fact that I'm not as tall as you, Cam. Come on. I'll be in the NBA if I was as tall as you, but like, I'm just kidding. But like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, you can't, you you know, why waste your time? You know, like, why waste any emotional energy being upset? You know, just make make the best of the tools that you have and be grateful for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't uh, know. And what about the uh, the expectations to carry on a business and maintain the, this sort of tempo of success that your, your parents have set? Yeah. You know, um, I think everyone's different. Uh, people, people are going to react to expectations differently. Uh, I like it. Well, I know I, I like uh, I like that there's an expectation, and I put that expectation on myself. You know, I don't I don't worry too much about performing to other people's standards. You know, what I mean, oh my, I, you know, I have my own standards. To, I think that's how you should live your life. You know, like if you're going to try to. Uh, live to someone else's standards, man, you're going to be disappointed. There's always going to be someone better than you. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, um, and you're just going to be disappointing yourself, but you got to, in life, you got to fulfill your own, own, like, you got to satisfy your own, like, I hate to say desire, but your own uh, achievement needs, right? Um, You live your life how you want to live. And then, um, yeah, so uh, like for me, it's like, uh, you know, I work hard, uh, not because I have to I work up because I want to right you know um, and yeah I, you know I, I and that should be the way right you know you do something because you love it because you want to exceed in it and the 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 I guess the standard or the goals that you want to achieve should be your own right and it shouldn't be to please anyone um, because why are you pleasing them anyway right you should you should only be for yourself Right. Um, it sounds so selfish, but it's, you know, in some ways it is right. You yeah, know, it's, um, I mean, I, I'm not talking like, like this is the most important thing, but I'm just saying even not just financial, I just think in, in your whole life, your personal life, how uh, your family, same thing, right. You know, you live, you live, uh, to you set your own standard because at the end of the day, you got to make yourself happy, you know, not like others happy, you know, like they don't care about you. Yeah. Yeah. But I must say, it's nice to have people talk, talk about you and like doubt you and, you know, and talk shit. Sorry. Can I say that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> talk shit about you. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's good to have, you know, like, like I hate to say those things, but like, it's good to have some haters. It's good to have some doubters and just uh, give you a little perk every now and then. Yeah. Like, you know, so you say, okay, I got a little bit more extra yeah. motivation to get up this morning. Totally. So I want to show this guy up, right? I'm going to yeah. show them up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we need those people in our life. Yeah. And uh, so some ways I'm thankful yeah. for those people because I think- uh, The challenge. Yeah. You, you need that. All life is so I boring. Do. Depends how you're wired. Maybe not everyone does. Yeah. Like I said, everyone's different, right? I mean, 
don't get me wrong. Don't hit me with a bunch of like spam now and like uh, hate mail me out every day now. No, you know, I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying to say everyone's different, right? You know, but a little bit of that, I, you know, it's always good. I think. Yeah, totally. And that's life. You know what I mean? Like you, it's also how life is. You can't. If everyone's like sweet to you and nice to you, I mean, that's something's not right, right? You must have some people blowing smoke up your ass, though. I mean, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, and uh, yeah, you got to be wise to that stuff, right? You know, so stay, stay humble, stay, you know, and appreciate people who tell you how it really is. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, thinking back to that tower, you know, we were talking about when you first um, came in. That. And it was confidential then, but I guessed it. And you you wouldn't tell me if I was right or wrong um, about the brand, mm. the hotel component. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on the clues you'd given me, I guessed it. And I knew I'd guessed it right, although you wouldn't never acknowledge it. And I had to find out publicly, uh, you know, along with everyone else. Um, but that became the Trump Hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I watched that, you know, closely. And it was, um, it seemed like it's just such a home run. Um, it was. But- yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> you mean literally was. Yeah. Yeah. And but holy cow. And then all of a sudden, you know, big news in Vancouver for this international brand coming and then president uh, candidate. And then actually like it was what a what a ride. Right. I mean, what a ride. It's just at that <laughs> point, it's a rocket ship. Yeah. And um, what were your thoughts? Like, can you remember that before things changed? Like, how'd that feel? Well, I remember everything. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what was your question? Yeah, tell me about it. How did that feel mm-hmm. when you had just hit the biggest home run ever with a, a solid, prestigious international brand hotel coming to Vancouver? Although always mixed reviews, but only based on a reality TV show, nothing worse at that point. Um, bringing that brand here that was then elevated to presidential candidate and then elevated further to the president. How did it feel at that point? <laughs> well, I think uh, when we first launched the brand, it was v- like a lot of hype. Everyone was very excited. I mean, the opening announcement of it, like it was telecast live, you know, in, in, in Vancouver. I was like, well, this is crazy. I, yeah. you, know, you know, it was so many reporters covering it and it was a lot of hype. So the launch was great. And uh, it's going to sound like I'm blowing, blowing my trumpet now, but I'm just telling the facts. At that point of time, the residential, actually luxury market was in the dumps, right? And then whatever, I still remember at that point of time, what the competitors were selling at the max was like 1200 bucks per square foot, right? And um, and we came on at 1600 bucks per square foot, uh, knocked it out of the park, you know. Some of it maybe was timing, you know, but I think that also had... A, we were the project that really jumpstart the luxury market. Um, and uh, yeah, we got everyone excited. So it was very successful. And then I guess your question about when I heard about him getting into politics, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, what the heck's going on, right? You know, is this really happening, right? So I, we don't, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess, what could we do? Like, you know, um, and I never like, well, no one thought he was going to win. So at that point, it was, was it a publicity stunt? Was he just making a statement? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I definitely didn't know that uh, him winning or, or was going to be such a huge impact, right? Like, you know, the people in Vancouver, uh, you know, was really not happy, right? You know, um, because, you know, I'm from Asia, okay? So in Asia... Um, as you know, most immigrants 
who come to Canada, we don't vote much, you know, and I'll tell you why. It's because most immigrants are just happy to be here because it's a lot better from where they came from, right? That's why they immigrated here. You know, they don't really care about... My person. They don't really care about your left or right politics, really, yeah. because it's it's so minute to them. They don't care about same, that stuff. They're the same. They're both good. Yeah. You know, they, they just, you know, they want the ability to work hard, to make a living like anyone else and live a happy, comfortable life. That's it. You know, they want to have equal chances anyone else. That's all they want. You know what I mean? Because they don't have that. A lot of them don't have that for where they're coming from and they don't have security you know, they don't know the government's going to shut them down uh, one day or take everything from them, or, you know. So a lot of these things don't matter to to uh, to, to, the, to immigrants, right? Because like I said, all they want to do is have an equal opportunity uh, to, to, to work hard and succeed and like have a fair system and have an uh, economy that is open and, you know, uh, uh, safety for everybody. That's all they need, you know, and and that's all they want, right? They're not too concerned about all these other, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't talk in detail, but all these things that really don't matter, you know, like don't concern them, right? But are a big deal over here, you know, and, and that's, so I, I don't know why. And I also think it's because um, now I'm getting into a little bit more into like, uh, philosophy or whatnot. I think it's also because the the fam the people from Asia uh, they're more conservative. When I say conservative, they're more traditional. They're basically like the family nucleus is way more um, normal. Like you know, you have a father, you have a mother, yeah, you have kids. All right, they tend to stick together. You know, they tend to stay married. They tend to have a lot of kids. You know, and the family is very important. And because of that. Um, they they don't come from I hate to say this like in, in, in North America you have a lot more like non-traditional families sorry let's put it that way non-traditional and so I can understand why all these things are more important you know for the people in North, North America because it that's their reality you know what I mean so these things matter more you know but but to a lot of new immigrants these things don't matter because it doesn't apply to them you know so coming from, uh, you know, from Asia, from that's where I, you know, I was born, you know, I didn't, I was like, what's the big deal? I, you know what I mean? But then it was, uh, I had no choice, but it happened. I was like, oh, wow. Now I understand why they act like this or they react like this or, you know, why are they so upset? At first I was like, why are everyone getting so upset? You know? And then it's like, some of the things that Trump said, I'm like, what's a big deal? You know what I mean? Because like yeah. to, to me, it's like no big deal. But then when I when I actually look, you know, learn more about it, I was like, okay, I can see why it's a big deal now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about like as a developer partnering with a hotel brand, any hotel brand. Um, how do deals like that work? Like what is the structure? I don't think most people know that it's quite often a developer with a building and then mm -hmm. a hotel. How does that all work together? Well, uh, there's a lot of hotel, there's only a few hotel brands in the world, actually. <laughs> a lot of consolidation has happened in the last few years. Uh, typically, um, these hotel management companies, they either manage the, the asset or they do a franchise, which is similar. And um, if there's a resident... Now, not so popular, but like only certain brands, like for example, if you have a residential component to it, they will brand the residences too. And the hotel provides like services to the residences. Um, only a few brands now do it. Um, it was more popular back uh, pre-COVID, I guess. Um, so yeah, basically there is like, you know, they do, they, they have like, a, they charge a fee basically. And then um, there's a fee usually on the revenue side. And then like, 
maybe after a certain performance, uh, they'll be on the, the, I guess, the bottom line side as well, like the GOP side, there'll be another fee. And then um, there will be also like certain like brand fee, marketing fee, uh, stuff like that, that they charge, you know, for supposedly they spend money on marketing for you, right? So supposedly, <laughs> supposedly. So, um, so that's typically how it works. And also for, if there's residential uh, branding, they also charge a fee for that. Yeah. So there's a, there's an asset, there's a building that the developer mm -hmm. has built and, and paid for. Does the hotel brand participate in the development at all? Or is all about their management is just the use of that asset? And it's either a revenue share model or a rent model. Well, you know, um, on the like I said, you, you, uh, for the hotel, it's just straightly on their performance, right? On the bottom line, you know, the revenue or the the GOP. And on the re on the residential side, yeah, they do participate in like you know like a fee, right? And the fee is based on usually how much um, you sell the the residences for. And the idea is that the brand is adding value. Yep. Yeah, and they're paid for that. Yep. I get it. But on the just the pure hotel side, um, typically these hotels that you know regular people see, mm -hmm. uh, I think most people would assume that that hotel brand owns that building. It's usually not the case. Is usually that, not the case. Yeah. Um, um, most hotels, um, I don't know the numbers, but like generally, yeah, you know, they don't own their own assets. You know, they're in the business of managing uh, and drawing a fee and fee. They're not how should I say? They're not real estate investors. They're a hotel management company, right? Yeah. And 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 um. They have to be like that also because a lot of them are listed, right? And when you're listed, you know, you have all these um, funds covering you, uh, investing in you, or, you know, you have this uh, research uh, from these banks covering you. And also like, so whenever they invest in a stock, it's like they're picking an exposure, right? So if they want an exposure just to hospitality, they just want to expose you just to hospitality. They don't want to expose you to real estate. So, so like, you know what I'm trying to say? So if the company owns real estate and it's X amount on their balance sheet, you know, then they were like, well, it's not a pure play, right? So typically, um, you know, they're trying to stick to their own business. If, if You know what I'm trying to say? So they stick to, if they're a hotel management company, they just stick to hotel management company as well because yeah. it's just a fee business, which is great. This is what I'm doing now. Yeah. And as a developer, do you... You know, do that with your building, like you work with a hotel uh, to make it a hotel because you're, is it a share of the bottom line of the operation of the hotel that you get? And that's worth more than building an apartment building in the same space or? Can we ask a question? How do you, why would a developer choose to put a hotel in a location mm -hmm. instead of say an apartment building? Mm -hmm. And um, when it is a hotel, does the developer get a percentage of the net profit of operations of that hotel or? Or what is the developer's upside for giving the use of that building to the hotel, the hotel management company? How does the developer get paid? Okay, wait, wait, okay you, I'm trying to understand your question. It's um, okay. I'm just trying to go one, one, one by one because, like, when you let's say when you're a developer and you have a piece of land and and you have an, uh, you have to make a commercial development. It can, it can be. Um, that, that question when you say whether apartment or hotel, usually that's always going to be first thing is the zoning, right? If you have to build X amount of commercial, then you're left with it like, you know, retail or office or hotel, right? And and so at the end of the day, when um, the developer has to decide whatever they build on the assets on that um, commercial side, are they going to keep for recurring income or are they going to sell away? All right. And, 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 you know, as you know, there'll be different cap rates um, or, or different yield that when, when the hotel is uh, built and ramps up or the asset has built and ramped up, how much value 
that it would be on the market based on a certain cap rate and based on certain rents or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, depending on the asset. So a developer has to make that um, performer, you know, do that calculation yeah. and then make that decision. So depending if the developer wants to stick around or not, right? Like some, some developers have a motto of just like, uh, I'm in the business of developing stuff. And I get the hell out after that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they yeah. just develop and run, you know, and I'm going to kill the company, by the way, so you can't sue me, okay? Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> a lot of developers do that, right? And and some developers uh, are more like, like like us, I guess we're not like strictly a developer. We're more for the long term. So we do have some investment holding. So like certain projects, we would think like, hey, if we develop this, we want to keep this, right? So... The question within uh, the hotel operator, how does it relate to that? Yeah, so you're, the developer's building is in a hotel zone, uh-huh. decides to go uh, with an operating partner. Yeah. Uh, does the developer get paid like a percentage of the top line revenue, like a portion of a room night, or is it the bottom line? No, no, you, share? you see, if the, if the developer is the owner, yeah. then the, everything comes to him. I see. Right? Uh, and then, but the, the hotel management company only owns a percentage. I got it. I it get gets, it. gets a, own, own, owns the a percentage. The developer's getting a pro, a, the bottom line, but yes. it's like 95%. And and the management company has taken a small percent, not five. I yeah, can tell by your yeah, it's, yeah not it's not five, but you know, but something like the that. Point some, is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they yeah. Earn, they just earn on the on the on the fee basis. Yeah, I think that's interesting to people. It's it's really about the developer, and the developer is hiring this a, re, a hotel management company, and people like the general public doesn't even think of it like a management company. Think think of it as as a brand and. Uh, you know, that's it, an interesting question because yeah. you're a marketing guy, yeah, and and actually that's why there is so much money in actually a brand value uh-huh. because like you like you rightly point out, like Marriott is worth. I mean, don't get me wrong; they make money or so, right? Okay, but like a lot of like you said, a lot of the underlying assets of of the you know of all these hotels, um, it's not the hotel company, right? You know. It belongs to someone else, right? But whoever owns that 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 building probably has no brand value. Like you know, I hate to say it, but you know, nobody knows them. Like even some, building. even some of these biggest funds and whatnot who owns a lot of real estate. Yeah, like people be like, who are these people? Like, yeah, you know, what I mean, the brand value of a hotel company is more, right? It is. Um, yeah, it's the power of brand. I don't want to go into this topic because you you should be the brand expert, right? Not me. Well, it's powerful. And Trump, let's get back to Trump because it's just so much fun. <laughs> so <laughs> Don't get me in trouble. We're least, back yeah. to Trump. Okay. The wheels are falling off in terms of uh, his popularity, the, the, you know, the rampant criticism and all that type of stuff. How did, um, when and how and why does that, how did that deal unwind? Hmm. Let's just say we parted on good terms. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to make this very clear. Like me and the Trump family, we still on very good terms. All right. Uh, well, tell me about the family. What's what's uh, what's the what's the big man like? You met him. I've seen photos. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, okay. I got to be careful how I go about this. I don't uh, upset people. Um, but um, well, just as a person, what's I about? think you know he is. He's he's a. I mean, he's a lot like what people depict him to be. Um, Was he smaller and older than what you expected? What do you mean by smaller? Every famous person I've ever met is smaller. He's a big guy. Is he a big guy? Oh, he's a big... I mean, you're a big guy. I mean, you're tall, right? But he's a big guy. Like, he's over six... About six feet at least. Uh-huh. But he's like... Broad. Broad, yeah. Yeah, all of them. The sons are all bi- all like big and tall. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the American dudes are big, right? Yeah. And um Big handshake. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's big guy, and you know, and I would say the Trump family and and Mr. Trump himself, they are, um, how shall I say, they're really good to you if you're on their side. Yeah. Like if you are, like friends with them, you know, your partners with them, they go all out for you. Like you know, they they do their best to make it work, and you know, they are just so nice. You know, like you know, what's Don Junior like? He's a lot like his father. Um, I think they all they all they all share the same type of like values and how should I say like they all similar. You cut, know what I mean? Cut um, from the same cloth. Cut from the same cloth. But my relationship is with Don Junior. I know him uh, more than the others, right? So you know, I found him great. Like it was very easy to deal with. He was always uh, like. Yeah, it was always available. You know what I mean? He wasn't like, he was very like down to earth, very always available. Um, yeah, he, I would say, yeah, he was great. You know, like yeah, up to today, yeah, I, I have a mad respect for him. I really do. And uh, I got nothing bad to say, really. Like he, yeah, he was, you know, throughout uh, the whole, the whole, you know, thing with the hotel, like, he was great. He was easy to work with. And, you know, the relationship is great. And uh, I got really nothing bad to say, really. As partners, they were great. Um, it's just like, it's just unfortunate. I mean, they've sacrificed a lot, you know, in pursuit of their political um, ambitions, right? In terms of business. Really? Right? Yeah. What about the daughter? Is it Ivanka? I heard yeah. she's a boss. What do you mean? She's, I heard she's very impressive. She is. She might be underestimated because she's a model or was a model. And They're all very impressive. They're all very smart. Yeah. They're all very capable. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it was you that told me that, but somebody else... It didn't matter. With- I, I would say Ivanka, obviously, um, huh, how should I say? Just say it. <laughs> Nobody's listening. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, Ivanka is very impressive. Okay. And I think, um, yeah, you know, like she is, how shall I say? Like, I mean, I don't want to sound like, um, but she is a, a model of how a woman should be. You know what I mean? Like, what can I mean? How can you say anything better? I mean, she has it all, so to speak. Yeah, and yeah. she. If you want to talk about how you should raise your daughters and how women should be, um, I mean, how can you? How can how how is Ivanka not a role model? Yeah, that's that's. that's I mean, how is she not like you know? She carries herself well. She speaks so well. She's smart. She's intelligent. Yeah. Uh, she's a great mom, you know what I mean? She's entrepreneurial, she's capable, yeah. you know, um, and she yet she, she knows how to, um, she's not so, I hate to say, he, she's not so controversial or divisive, you know, if, if you want to use that word. Like she yeah. knows how to, um, like, you know, like I would say get along with everybody and, yeah. and, and maintain a good public Diplomatic. image. Yeah, you know, she's, I think she's more, better or less you know i think she would be less versus if you want to compare to uh you know trump senior or trump junior right where yeah. they are more like just hit you right it would just hit you hit me i can hit you right back yeah right? you know what i mean i think i know what you mean like yeah. there's she's got a soft touch maybe that uh, mm-hmm. the others don't have and sometimes you know maybe this world needs this yeah you know like uh um, sometimes you know nobody's going to listen to you if everyone's shouting or yeah. being sarcastic to each yeah. other Right? Totally. I think you're 100% right. And it'd be uh, really cool if there were more uh, women leaders in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many, um, it'll change over time, but there's, you know, it's so male dominated. It's sort of traditional 
kind of values and stuff, but the, um, well, you know, we all know that, yeah, that, that is because they bear children, right? That's the main thing. It's tough to bear kids and, 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 and do everything. Right. Uh-huh. That's why I say, you know, Ivanka is like, you know, like superwoman, right? Like she's uh-huh. got how many kids? I don't know. She's got like two or three kids. I can't remember now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's no joke. And she had those, you know, very close to and all the politics and became president. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like it was in the thick of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all wound up, you guys are still friends and uh, it all ended as well as it could. Absolutely. Like I said, I have nothing, you know, nothing but good things to say. You must have told him like, I don't have any choice here. Like this is like, I remember there was people, wasn't there people cheering when it came down? Like it was some sort of uh, win uh, of some type against Trump. I don't know about that, but like, um, I don't know about it either. I think I made that up. Yeah. Okay. In my mind, in my mind that, yeah, happened. maybe you, you thought of that. A couple hey. of hippies that were like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, hold it down. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know the, the sentiment, um, because like I said, you know, every now and then I do have this thing that tracks all the social media stuff and, you know, people are always like hating on me, uh, because of this project. Um, because of Trump? Oh yeah. Still. Oh, not anymore because it's no longer no longer Trump, right? Yeah. But like, um, but they yeah, were. I'm sure people were happy. Some people were happy. You that know, Trump left. Coming in, that Trump was gone. Of yeah. course, they're happy. Yeah, yeah they hated yeah. Trump. Trump was hated at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Am I get my timelines mixed up? I mean, there was a point at which they were influenced by my dad and uh, a lot of uh-huh. <laughs> anti-Trump people, but uh, and maybe the timing of it, co- the brand coming off the building, um, yeah. was it a different time? But yeah, it seems like. It must have been like almost a relief at some point when it was over. You must have felt like a Trump defender for a while when when people were chirping him, and, uh, <laughs> and you were like, "I don't well, know." Well, yeah, don't okay, help. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have edit rights to everything I say. All right, in this voice, okay, and you agreed to that, so I'm just gonna try, go on a little bit now and say, in, in, um, like I said, I was never into politics, right? And, and I, like I said, all these things happen. I had to learn to listen to both sides and yeah. just try to uh, understanding, but. You know, nobody cares about my side of the story. Yeah. You know, I mean, nobody cares that I made the deal way before he even talked about politics. All yeah. right. Nobody cares that um, about this conservative value that I have when you shake a man's hand and say, we got a deal, you stick to your deal. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And unless you become like a murderer or something. You know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah. something real. Our deal breakers. A real a deal breakers, like it's offside now and all deals are off. But like, you know, they never did that to me. You know, they kept their part of the bargain, right? So they kept their word, you know? So it put me in a very tough situation. Must have been hard on you. Tough situation, yeah. right? Because people are hating on me and, you know, and I'm losing, I'll say losing, um, you know, things weren't working out that great. Okay. And a lot of pressure from, from, um, from the authorities and all that. I hate to say it like the authorities are like my boss, right? You know I mean? I got to please these guys. They're not happy with me. I'm not going to get anything done. Right. And, you know, and it's tough because. What do you mean the old man? Head office back home? What? No, no. I, I said as in the authorities and the people who, you know, like run the city. Oh, I see. I you see. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, like. I want to always be in their good books. I see. You know what I'm trying I to say? I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know. You're saying it without saying it. I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know, I, I, you want to make, it, it's like my job as as the CEO of my company, you know, it's like, first of all, I'm not a politician. I get it. Okay. Yeah. My, my, my obligation is to my to my staff or my shareholders at that point of time, yeah. you know, t- to put food on the table. Yeah. I need to make sure we make money, right? 
if I don't do that, then what the hell am I in my role for? Right. So, so, so I'm in that tough situation. Right. Um, and it kind of sucks, but you know, it is what it is, but so you're you know, we, we got you it, you know, and, and can we talk about better times now? You know, <laughs> no, yeah, let's do that. Let's no, I want, I want to say like, all this is not bad because like, um, it really, it really just, um, how shall I say, um, my family is actually, you know, we've owned hotels for a long time, you know, more than 20 years. And I would say uh, most of our hotels were, were managed by third party operators. And then only like two of them were managed by ourselves independently. And those two were in Whistler. And so when uh, COVID came, um, that's when we, you know, um, it was tough times, right? You know, and a lot of our hotels, even a lot of hotels in Asia, uh, everywhere was like shut down, closed. And so from, can you just imagine we have, uh, you know, like nine hotels. I won't tell you what the asset value is, but, like, you know, churning out like traditionally, churning out like money all the time to losing money, you know, and some are your hotels in Whistler? Which ones? The Ava and the Summit. And, um, but they're all losing money at this time. Oh, they're making money now. No, I meant at uh, COVID times. Um, no, actually, um, for the most part, Sam and Ava were okay, you oh. know, because um, there were like the queues, payment, the, subs- the, sub- the government subsidy, and uh, we managed it really, really well. And like um, when we were shut down here, the re- the resorts, uh, when they opened up, the resorts were the ones that got packed, right? So we did, I wouldn't say we did great, but we did okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, the the hotels that were uh, not doing well, the ones in Asia, right? Even right now, the ones in Asia are only slowly starting to uh, to open up, right? So, so yeah, so so to go from you know having our hotels all make money to not making money, just brought us back to this, um, you know, it's really thought about how we're going to survive the next few years because we didn't know how how long uh, the rebound's going to take, you know, how the curve's going to be, and um, so we're just thinking, how are we going to get through this, right? What's going to change after COVID? How are people going to travel? What kind of, you know? And then we just, just kind of dawned on this, like, hey, you know, um, we've been uh, in this hotel business for 20 years or so or more. And then we've been on both sides. We've been an asset manager where we had a third party operator operated. And these were like the big ones in the world for many years. So we understand um, what they do. We know the ins and outs of everything, all the fees, how the agreements are made. And then we also have our own experience. We run our own hotels. And then we're like, what the heck are we waiting for? Like, you know, why don't we just take this an opportunity now to do things ourselves, right? And that way, you know, because we felt like, you know, our two hotels in Whistler have always done very well, you know, and a lot, and we've had a really uh, team that's grown with us from young. And so they're really ingrained in our culture. And then we you know we've learned a lot of, made a lot of mistakes in the past. And so we've also learned a lot. So we feel like, you know, we're ready more than anything else to to start a hotel brand. And that's what's kind of been our ambition for a long time. And that's pretty much how Paradox was born. Paradox Hotels, which is uh, now... Um, I didn't know that was your brand. It is my brand. Yeah. Who, who, who do you think it was? I don't know. I just assumed it was uh, maybe a, a newer brand that I just hadn't heard of before, you know, from that's good. somewhere. That's good then. Yeah. That's good that, uh, yeah, you thought that way. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So we started Paradox. So, you know, and because the, um, the hotel, it was an opportunity, the one in Vancouver and also two of my hotels in Asia 
were, were going to be the management contracts were going to expire. So it was like, you know, we just start and just open these three right now. And yeah. then, because uh, those fit like the Paradox brand. And then our two hotels in Whistler, we were going to be like, just put them under the, the we keep this, the same names, but I like, put them under the Paradox Hotel Group. Yeah. So we would have like five uh, right off the get go. And the ambition is to, uh, you know, grow this hotel brand. Whether we brand our other hotels that are, you know, third party operator right now or not, we'll see. Um, but, you know, my focus now is to make sure the ones that we have to be, you know, knock them out of the park and be extra pop, you know, profitable and eventually go for third party um, management contracts, right. right? Yeah. So all that money you paid Trump and, and whatnot, you're like, I got to get into that business. I <laughs> need our own brand. We need to, yeah, you uh, know, the it, other side of this. Yeah. You know, cause that, that, that was different because I needed to brand the residences at that point of time. Yeah. Right. You know? And so, yeah, you know, and you know, I wasn't ready then anyway, I'm ready yeah. now because yeah. I've had a lot of time to think about all, everything through COVID and I just want to talk about a little bit about Paradox. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So um, the, the thing about the philosophy of, of Paradox is- um, Tell me about the name. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will. It's uh, it, Let me just take you a step back, you know, like, because we got, did we got time? Yeah. We we got got time. Time. I'll tell the full story, right? Yeah. Unless you got a whole bunch of other questions. No. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll just keep it. Uh, okay. I won't take too long. So basically- No, I want I, the long version, just to be clear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, when I, when you see, I used to travel- um lots you know prior to COVID right I used to travel back and forth and uh, you know I was a busy guy and uh, bachelor yeah but I was still you know working a serious job right so, uh, you know I mean like I, I didn't I didn't have the time to like when I traveled to go like oh where am I going to stay oh which, what restaurant am I going to do and go on TripAdvisor or go on reviews and, and, and go I was like I don't have the time for that uh -huh. you know so Everywhere I went, I always made sure I had friends, right? And, you know, and good enough friends or close friends to like, when I'm there, they're just like my hosts. And it's, they treat me so well. Like I go there, you know, they don't, I don't even pay. They usually pay for me all the time. They take me to the best restaurant. They take me out and have a great you time. You stay at their house? No, I stay in a hotel, yeah. right? But like, you know, they take me to a restaurant or- oh, Your days are, yeah. Take, I, yeah, where, where single guys go, or nightclub, whatever, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so the experience, it was always like, and then I became spoiled in that sense where even the places where I didn't have friends, I'll be like, hey, calling my friends up. Hey, you got any friends in this city? <laughs> no way. You know what I mean? And so that kind of be the only way I travel yeah. because like, it sounds so spoiled, but that's the only way you want to travel now because like you want, why you do that is because you don't want to, you want to go where locals go. Yeah. Right. You want to experience do. the local culture yeah local food may local not be people. what's on trip advisor yeah you want to connect with the local people right you know what i mean and and in that and you don't want to go to some tourist trap right you know that's the last thing you want to do right so so that became like the only way i travel and so that it dawned on me like hey that's the only way i want to travel i think it's fair to say that that's how other people want to travel too all right so um and this is how kind of paradox kind of and then recently there was a uh I'll get to it, but recently there was an ad on Expedia um, that uh, with Ewan McGregor that really solidified my thinking. You know what I mean? And it's it's about this ad about how he goes. You think we will? He, he says in a Kiwi accent, "I can't do it." Right? He, do you think we will look back in our lives and um, regret the the things that we didn't buy? And then it swaps over to like a beach scene or the places we didn't go, right? And it really affirmed my thought, you know, about how like, hey, you know. We've been, people have been locked down for, for, uh, 
two years plus, right? And two years, it's a long time, you know, yeah. especially for some people, like for example, two years out of university, like like maybe we didn't get to go the last two years of university, that sucks, right? You know, to go from home. Yeah. Or if you're an older person, two years out of your life is a big deal. You yeah. don't know how long you're gonna be around, right? So it really affirmed my thought, like, you know, people, um, they've been locked down for two years. Now, I think when they come out of the pandemic, uh, they are going to have a different perspective. I mean, not everyone, but I think a lot of us are going to be like, life is short. You don't, it's fragile. You don't know what's going to happen. And what's important to me, what I really miss out is connection. I miss connecting with people and experiences. And that's what life is all about. Connecting with people and, you know, having those experiences, building those memories, right? And so it really, uh, in my mind, I was like, okay, how can we, capitalize on that need right so so when we started paradox hotels um basically our motto as uh paradox hotels is to be like the local champion you know and when I mean, I mean being a local champion it means really having the brand localized and the problem i won't say problem but like a lot of these major brands out there you know they have big brands and all but they come with a perception of oh, this is a foreign brand you're gonna go there it's an American band. You're going to get American stuff there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did I do the accent funny? But like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's, it's, it, and you know what I'm trying to say? And, 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 and that's, there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. Some people like that uh, certainty or it may, it may, you know, that cachet of that. But like, I don't, that's not what we want to be. I think people, when they travel, like I said, they want to experience local, right? And so uh, my brand is about being very localized. And how do we do that is by making sure, first of all, um, we partner up, you know, if we can with the best like um, F&B operator, right? And so like for Paradox Vancouver, we're partnered up with After Dark, which, you know, they, they own and run 12 West, West Oak, Piers Lounge. And so now they're running Karma Lounge and Mansion Nightclub. Which I have to talk to you about. Oh yeah. I, I, okay, we'll get there. So let me finish with Paradox first, okay? And so, and they have a very strong following, all right? And they, you know, they have a strong following of local people. And that's what you need to really localize or become a local champion, I believe. Because people, you know, first of all, it's going to help you in the off, off season, right? You know, when you don't have a lot of tourists coming or whatnot. And, um, you know, they're going to support your development. There'll be synergies, you know, people staying there locally as well. And um, like I said, people that do come, they want to experience local, you see. So they they more tend to want to stay in my hotel because when they know, like, they have a local champion, you know, so it becomes a local champion, right? So, and also with my uh, philosophy for Paradox is also like how I talk about um, being a local champion. That also meant... Um, being tied in with the city, uh, with the, as in like our goal in, in, in for our staff, you know, in, in paradox, it's like, basically we are a local hookup, you know what I mean? Like we are going to pride ourselves. If yeah. that, I'd say if there's something like, like my local host that I'm talking about I when, I, it, yeah. when I travel, I want that local host to be in paradox where if there's something going on in town, I know about it. If there's anywhere you want to go, I'm your hookup. Yeah. You know what I mean? You want to get tickets to someplace? I'm going to get it for you. It's sold out, but I'm going to get it for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? The restaurant reservations at this restaurant, it's full till like August, but I'm going to get you in tonight. You know right. what I mean? Big, big, and, and the only way you can do that is when you have those relationships locally. You know what I mean? And, and building a team, whether it's myself, my GM, 
the people that I partnered up with having those relationships, being able to call and say, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you put this guy in for me? You know? And you can only do that when you have that local relationship. And that's what I mean about having that real localized experience. And I also want to say, when it comes to the brand, um, paradox, what it means, when, a paradox is basically when you hear about something, it sounds pretty outrageous, but it turns out it's true, right? It doesn't sound like it's true, but it's true, right? So what it means is like in paradox, we want to celebrate like the different aspects of your life or different angles of your life. Like for example, you know, I think a lot of times people in life always like stereotype people and like just put them in a column or a box or what they should be. Cam Good, oh, he's a real estate sales guy. Slimy, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? I'm just joking here. You know what I'm trying to Yeah, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like real estate developer, they're evil. You know what I mean? Like- <laughs> I know what you're saying. You know what I'm trying to say? And, and, and people just don't, they just want to put people in, in compartments and boxes because they're lazy, because they are jaded or whatnot, or just because they just don't care, right? And so we in Paradox, we understand that there's so many facets to a person. There's so many different parts to a person. Like for me, you know, just like, for example, for anyone, like you know, I'm a father, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a son, you know, um, I put, I'm, a, I'm a businessman, you know, I'm a musician, um, you know, I used to be an athlete, you know, so stuff like that. And the, the things that I, I, have, I have great passions and interests that, sound like a paradox, right? Interesting. You know, like I'm into death metal. Like, are you serious? Like nobody's like, no, no, it's not true, right? You're joking, right? But you know, it is true. And and so everyone's got a little quirkiness and uniqueness about themselves. And I feel that paradox, what we're going to do, we're going to champion those angles or those quirky things about you, you know, because, and, and because we feel that when you want to get to know someone, you got to go deeper, buddy. And there's so many di di different parts about a person. If you really care about a person, you really want to get to know them. I'm not concerned about Cam Good, the real estate dude. You know, I, I'm concerned about Cam Good, the father, or, you know, or whatever else your interest may, may be, right? And that's how you really get to know a person. And so that's the model we have at Paradox. And so my staff, you know, they are like tasked to like find out these things about people, I'll guess. And if they find out certain things about, you know, I'll guess that are, you know, a little bit paradoxical or whatever. It's not sure it is a word, but, you know, we try to celebrate them yeah. and just remind them that, hey, you're special. You know what I mean? And we go the extra effort to get to know you. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about leadership. You're a young guy leading a whole bunch of people. Am I young? Yeah, still. Thank you. Relatively. Because I'm younger than you? Yes. Am I? Yeah. Okay. Just don't look at it, but you are. Thank you. But there's, uh, <laughs> but you must have, um, I mean, things you've learned from your dad, things that are your own, like what's, what would you, how do you describe your leadership style or how would you share advice with the entrepreneurs and, and young leaders that are listening? So many, I don't know where to start. There's so many things to, to, I guess, like make, make up my leadership style or whatnot, but like, I just try to rail some off, I guess. I mean, lead by example. Um, stay humble, be open always, always, uh, try to extract as much from your staff, meaning, um, you know, get them to like share as much as they want, all their ideas, you know, what they like, what they don't like, all their thoughts, all their ideas. Um, and, um, 
you got to be, I mean, being a leader, being an entrepreneur, you got to be bold, right? You got to be strong. Um, people follow a strong leader. That's the truth, right? And, um, and being a good leader means you have to have strong conviction. You have to have strong vision and uh, have your team, um, you know, really um, buy in into it, right? Once they do that, then it's on autopilot almost. You know what I mean? Like the you get a team to really buy in, in your vision. Then that's the first thing. And then after that is your job to just almost just motivate them. And the good team is going to come up with the good ideas and execute. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's the role of a leader. Like you, you can't do it all. You know what I mean? Like your job is to, like, like I said, those things, you need to set the vision, you need to motivate, you need to, you know, believe in them, set the, uh, have strong conviction, um, you know, make decisions, but make the decisions collectively as well with, you know, with the, with the team. Right. So how do you hire the right people? How I hire the yeah, right people? Style? Well, you know, hiring is real B right now. Yeah. Uh, because uh, it's tough. Um and it's not their fault, you know, it's because uh, the inflation, everyone's overpaid <laughs> at the bottom end, at least, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, everyone's just asking for more and more. And then next week they ask for more or they leave, you know, um, because of inflation, because there's not enough, I don't know, talent pool. I think culture is more, cultural fit is always important. They have to um, tie in with our culture and um you know see i i'm i'm from asia you know but i've also lived half my life in north america so i i, I see both sides i try to blend both styles i guess you know what i mean like um like for example i um i'm very old school and new school <laughs> in some ways like like old school like is like my expectation is like very high and i expect you to work hard you know, and I expect, like, for example, if I need you to work longer hours or, you know, do whatever it takes, that's the expectation. You know what I mean? Do what it takes to get it done. All right. But at the same time, I'm also very, like, flexible and easygoing. Like, I'm very fair and, like, you know, you don't feel well and go home. You know, like, you want to work from home? Go home. You know, like, you want to pick your son up? Go. You know, why, why are you even asking me? You know what I mean? Like, um, it's trust, right? And um, I think at the end of the day, you have to write the right people um, in the right position. First of all, if they love what they do, um, you don't really have to manage. You don't have to like, they won't be caught watching. You don't have to check up on them, right? You know, all you just need to make sure is like they have certain performance measures that they have to make, right? And as long as you have those, you just kind of don't have to watch them so tight. I'm a very like, Almost too much, I think. Like we were sample, we were talking about, um, you know, working from home and coming back to the office. Like, you know, I was like, man, at first I was like, yeah, do whatever they want. They want to work from home, work from home. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, you know, or they want to come in for a little bit and leave and go home. You know, I don't care. Then I thought about it. I was like, mm, maybe not, you know, because like, I think, you know, when you, when you have too much of a, Extreme change is not good. You know what I mean? So I think, um, but actually when COVID came and everyone worked from home, I don't think productivity didn't actually go down. It actually went up, I think. 
you know, especially for, I think, younger people, productivity went up because they, they are so used to being on, online. You know what I mean? So they can't differentiate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you message them at night, they message you back. You send an email at night, they email you back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and they're more to do that. They're more because they're all they're always switched on. Yeah. You know what I mean? But in return, then you have to give them some like flexibility. Like they may be at the park somewhere walking the their dog, the or, yeah. or they may be like working out somewhere. Yeah. And then who cares, right? You yeah. know what I mean? As long as you get the job done. Um. But after a while, I, we we decided like you know right now everyone's back. Two days out of a week right now, which is not a lot. Yeah. Um, just, you know, it's important to get some face-to-face time, you know. So we'll see what happens, right? Uh, we'll bring them in a little bit more or not. We'll see. But, but yeah. generally, we're quite flexible. Did you see Elon's email? Yeah, everyone's back in the office. Yeah. Yeah. It's bold. Well, he can do whatever he wants, but he's the man, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he's so progressive in, in so many other ways. That seems, um, you know, it surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. But if you read it, it's based on his personal experience, right? But I have to tell you the truth, though. Like, for example, in my company, there's more turnover in the construction site. All right. And that's a few reasons for that, right? Because labor is very short there. And I don't want to say this, but like, I'm not on the construction site. You know what I'm trying to say? So they don't have that interaction with the leader. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And and they don't see my vision or they don't, see, you know what I'm trying to say? They're not, they don't get FaceTime. Either. Yeah, they don't. Exactly. And I hate to say it. They probably think, who's this dude? Doesn't even care about us. He's yeah. never in the construction site. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not one of us. So I'm just going to look after myself versus the people in the office, like, you know, which I deal with more on a regular basis. They interact with me more. So like, you know, they can tell I care about them, you know, and like I'm doing my best for them. You know what I mean? So that's why on the development side, my turnover is very low. You know what I mean? So maybe that's why, you know, it, it, to some extent, you do need FaceTime with your leader. That's yeah. how it is. Yeah. It's uh, if you're getting real FaceTime with somebody versus you're just a little square on the screen. I mean, obviously uh, that's not going to help uh, yeah. loyalty. It's not going to help any turnover issues. Yeah. It's crazy times. Just figure it out as we go, I guess. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm just hoping things. I mean, things will never go back completely like they used to. No they're way. gonna. They're gonna have people working from home still, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. But I do want people to like chill out a bit about this COVID thing, right? I mean, over here we're pretty chilled about it, but like in Asia, they still not chilled about it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they're still freaking out, right? And uh, you go to. I hate to say, it, I can say this because I'm Chinese. Right. But you see most Chinese folks here, if you go to Richmond, they all wearing a mask. Yeah. Every one of them wearing a mask. If you go indoors anyway and you're not wearing a mask, you're like, oh, wow, I'm not wearing a mask. Everyone is wearing a mask. What is going on? And that's still the case now. Right. When there's no restrictions. Right. And um, that's because of the media and governments in Asia. Right. And then. Those people, they're from Asia, so they're tied to Asia one way or another. So it really affects their... Do you think it's going to stay like that? I hope not. I hope not. They're starting to ease up now. Even, um, I think I just read today, in China, there's only uh, restrictions or rules are now like in 10 cities from 17 cities. Yeah. Still, I mean, you know, so it's getting better. And Shanghai just opened. Um, I think it's like... 72 hours quarantine now, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Or testing or something like that. Yeah, it's not that bad now. It was, it was like, it was ridiculous. They were locked down forever. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, I've done, I've, you know, done business with, uh, Asians and Chinese and, and even way, but way before COVID for a very long time, um, you know, you'd see an Asian person wearing a mask on the bus or whatever. Right. And, uh, when people would ask why or wonder, um, I'd explain it's cause they're not feeling well. So they're, uh, protecting other people, mm-hmm. you know, from, they have a cold or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's extreme. Everyone's still not feeling well then, I guess. Yes. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was just thinking about that as you were talking and I, and I still see people every day wear masks just at lunch, but I flipped it in my mind. I saw somebody wearing it and I, rather than thinking like, why, what is that guy thinking? And, and, I just thought, well, maybe he's not feeling well. Maybe he's just very conscientious and he's just making sure he doesn't get anybody sick. And it I mean, I, I'm sure there's some of that. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, then we got a lot of sick people, then we got a problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's, I know what you're trying to do. Give people yeah. the benefit of the doubt. I yeah. know, but I'm just saying it's insane. Like, like, we need to get back to normal. You know, honestly, for introverted people, the pandemic was kind of awesome. You know, they were relieved of this obligation to be out and about and socialize. I hear you. And they got to do whatever they wanted to do. And they got to say no to everything. And uh, yep. in terms of like outward events and things like that. And 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 there's lots of uh, people out there who feel probably safe behind a mask, you know, who, um, you know, you see some people wearing a mask and dark sunglasses and maybe a hat. And you're like, I can't have any notion of this person's face whatsoever. You know, a few years ago, that person would like, you'd assume they just ran out of a bank having robbed it. I know that's that, the crazy part. Yeah, right? And now it's, it's, now it's like normal. Yeah, sure just completely conceal your identity, every aspect of it. And no one has a problem with it. You know, that's not good too. Like if if those people that do rob a bank, you can, you can identify them now, right? From the people that are not. Yeah, totally. Another thing I thought during COVID was that for servers, I caught some for sure enjoying wearing a mask because it was probably a relief from, I could see it in the eyes, you know, they didn't have to have this sort of smile, smile all day long, every day. It must be exhausting. Right. And so for a while, for, but you can sense a, I don't know, like for me, it's not, well, it's the vibe. I mean, whether you're smiling or not, it's the vibe. No, it's in the eyes. It's energetic. Yeah. I agree. You know what I mean? Even you can't. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Totally. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming. 